0: The Alpha Sessions with
1: Alan Joyce. So this is The Alpha Sessions and with me in the studio, I'm very pleased to have Natalie Gray. Welcome (laughs) down. Hey,
0: thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for coming down to the studio. And actually, this is one of the easiest interviews I've ever had to research. Because when (laughs) when you're looking through and sort of trying to find out more about guests that are coming in sometimes you kind of think oh I don't know what to ask them but with you I could probably do this in about four parts because there's, there's so much to ask you um so so we'll see how much we can get through over the next half an hour or so we'll
0: speed run it we'll go we'll speed bit. run it yeah. exactly
1: we'll do it um so firstly on your socials it says if Matt Healy from the 1975 had a baby with a that would be Natalie Gray that would be yes explain are you obsessed with <laughs> so, these two
0: I am but someone said this to me it was in a review and I think they meant it as like not really a compliment because the whole review wasn't great but they said that and I was like I love that I'll take it and like so now I just run with it but yes I am obsessed both equally with the 1975 as I am with Madonna so I was like well I've won the lottery that's absolutely fine that's the ultimate compliment hell yeah how can you go
1: wrong with that do you
0: know what I mean mean, So I'll take it yeah exactly so yes that is now plastered all over my socials
1: (laughs) well why not (laughs) and I take it therefore that I mean the the 80s in general are a big influence on you clearly and you only have to listen to some of your songs which we'll listen to soon (laughs) to hear that so so what were your musical influences growing up then
0: I mentioned this to you before when I walked yeah. in. I'm obsessed with the 80s, but I grew up in a household that was obsessed with the 80s. Like my mum is a huge kind of like hairbrush diva fan, so like Whitney Houston, Madonna, that was always played in our house at like barbecues and stuff. Queen, Prince, Michael Jackson, and then my dad is kind of like more the rock side of the 80s, so like the Eagles, Bon Jovi, that sort of stuff. So I grew up on that, um, and then as I got a bit older, I kind of discovered the Spice Girls. But um, until then, I was was just obsessed, especially with like Madonna's Immaculate album. Was, as a kid, I knew every word, had no idea what it meant, probably shouldn't have known those words, (laughs) (laughs) but I was living for it. So yeah, I've just been obsessed with it ever since. And I'm obsessed with the whole kind of side of the 80s, like the big hair, the bright clothes, they're just having a best time and not really caring what anyone thinks of you.
1: So were you when you were sort of listening to the likes mm. of the Spice Girls, were you were you sort of wanting to be a Spice Girl or were you Absolutely. wanting to be like a Carol Decker? <laughs>
0: well, oh, that's a really Oh I'd have loved to have been a Spice Girl. Yeah. Obsessed with Spice Girls. It was girl power, isn't it? And it was that whole I loved the fact they each had their individual like personalities and they were all totally different and they all represented someone you knew. Mm. Like in the playground it was always like, Oh, you're you're definitely baby spice, or you're a scary spice.
1: And which one were you? I was always ginger. Okay, of course.
0: Even though, I mean, mean, it's not my real (laughs) colour. But as a kid, I loved Jerry. I loved how just in your face she was. She was unapologetically her. And I loved that. And that's what I love about the 80s. I loved artists such as Madonna and David Bowie and Prince who just pushed boundaries and didn't care. Mm. And they were just like, this is who I am and what? And I just... I've always been on the side of weird, I think my family would say. I've never been, like, subtle. Um, so being surrounded by, like, such empowering people n- musically, I was just like, well, yeah, there's there's no other option for me here apart from this, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> and was that a thing Then? So did you decide from a very early age that music was going to be your thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, my mum would probably say I sang before I spoke. <laughs> I was one of them annoying kids. Um I was always into music. I learned piano at a, like a really young age. But I mean, my parents are totally to blame, completely to blame. They, they're they very supportive of the arts. And I think the second I showed any interest in performing, they were like, absolutely. And my sister is also a performer. Um, bless my parents, they'll never retire because of this. Um, <laughs> but they were they were always very pushy, not pushy, that's the wrong word. They were always very like, live your dreams, whatever yeah. you whatever makes you happy, life's far too short to be miserable. <laughs> And that just happened that that was music. So they're definitely to blame for it. I could yeah. be earning like thousands as a lawyer, but they were like, no, <laughs> sing and dance. And I was like, yeah. No,
1: it's wonderful to do something that you love, <laughs> isn't it? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. so, so how did the kind of, how when did it change from you sort of <sighs> wanting to be on stage and be a performer to then starting to think about writing your own stuff and, and doing your own music? Um,
0: well, I was actually, as a kid, I was quite shy and I was quite badly bullied at school. And um kind of just used to that used to fuel me I used to like kind of sit at home writing poems and songs and be like one day I'm gonna be famous and they will be at my concerts and then um I eventually something kind of clicked in my brain when I was like late teens and I was just like do you know what I really don't care what people think of me because you can't please everyone and you can't you're never anyone's cup of tea so you might as well be your cup of tea like So I kind of, um, when I was 18, I got into a performing arts college and I went to Italia Conti. I did the musical theatre thing, which is amazing, and I'm still very much involved, and I love it. And then I started kind of just showing a few of my lyrics and song ideas to a few friends. And then I was like, oh, actually, I'm all right at this. I can can do this. And I started doing open mic nights, uploading stuff onto YouTube in the days when that was new. Um, And, yeah, that's kind of how I got into being, like, an artist rather than musical theatre kind of stuff.
1: And you recorded your, or you released your first single, I think, way back in 2015, didn't did you? I yeah. did. God, that
0: feels a long time ago now, doesn't it?
1: I was going to say, so much has changed... In many things of the world, to be honest, Mm. hasn't it? But obviously the whole release process has massively changed. (laughs) Totally different. So, so, I mean, how? give us an insight to how the industry has changed and and how the release process has changed from when you started to, to now.
0: Well, my first song I released independently. So I did everything myself. I found a distributor and just, like, uploaded it onto this random website, paid, like, 20 quid, and it all of a sudden got sent to... Spotify and iTunes all those sort of stuff and I was actually on a I was on a musical at the time with David Hasselhoff and
1: we're well, coming back to that, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah.
0: so my promo for the song was just bless David like he recorded a video of him singing my song <laughs> and that was that was all I did really and it was great I got some great feedback but now it's like I'm the, my next thing was actually signed to a label so they've kind of taken over all the distributing stuff but then I'm on TikTok 24 hours a day and posting all this sort of stuff and doing as many concerts as possible to get people to hear it because although the world's kind of got a bit bigger as in like it feels like I can contact anyone across the world whereas used to be it was just your circle of friends. So for me that's kind of a really big change with my music is I have a bit of a fan base on the other side of the world rather than here. Mm. Um, whereas when I first released Little Secrets it was very much like My family and friends knew it, and anyone who I could get and drag along to an open mic night knew the song. But now it's kind of like, I I look on my Spotify and it'll be like, oh, are you being played in Indonesia or Jakarta? And I'm like, Wow, there's (laughs) Mendel.
1: And and the social media thing has obviously just got massive, even in, since 2015. I mean, you had the yeah. likes of Twitter and Facebook now, but that that's such a massive part of the release process now, probably yeah. even compared to when you started, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. When I first started releasing music, like I barely posted on social media. I wasn't really a social media kind of person. And now people will probably say that I'm on it far too much. I watch far too many dog videos on TikTok. Um, but yeah, nowadays it's very... Instagram and TikTok heavy like you constantly have to be posting you're told to post at least 3 times a day and do this do that and be fun and be cool and and I'm like oh god okay I'll try I'm not I'm not the coolest person in the room but I will try
1: I mean, you do it exceptionally well, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we've had so many discussions down here from people who sort of have a love-hate relationship with social media, which we'll obviously come on to. But I mean, would you say the industry's got sort of harder or easier because of social media? Oh,
0: that's such an interesting question. I actually had this discussion with a friend of mine a few weeks ago because it felt like in lockdown, TikTok kind of exploded because Mm. we had nothing else to do. And incredible artists emerged, such as Sam Rider, which was amazing However, at my point of life in that moment, I was not prepared to be on any form of social media. I just wanted to cry in my pants and play my Nintendo Switch for the whole time, really. Um, But so it feels like sometimes it's easier because you can get your music out to as many people as possible, but it also feels harder because it's so saturated. So there is this whole thing with TikTok is you're constantly scrolling and every 10 seconds there's a new artist, there's a new song, there's a new person there and it's like... How how will I compete with them? And that's something I've really noticed personally is the comparison levels are constantly going. You're constantly going, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And you, you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And people do it to me. They'll be like, oh, you're doing this. You're amazing. That's great. And I'm like, oh, am I? Because I'm still poor and I'm still doing this and I don't know what else to do. And that's one thing with social media I don't like is the negative comparison. Comparison? Comparison between each other.
1: And And I guess the thing is... Back in the day, the comparisons were generally all about the music, mm. whereas now the comparisons oh, are all about people's TikTok posts. And Absolutely, stuff,
0: aren't they? and what you look like on that day, yeah. and who your friends yeah. are, what's happening, and it's oh, it's a whole other world. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It is. But you are what? One of the things I love that you are doing to keep it sort of a bit retro is the amazing artwork that you're doing with your singles on Yay. Spotify. Like it's it's not obviously the same when you go into the likes of Woolworths and see them all on seven I know, inches.
0: that have been great. I mean, it would have yeah, been lovely. That would been lovely. But yeah. you know, it hasn't been. <laughs> way Based on me, I've seen
1: that you've gone to a lot of work you. with all these singles. So, how did that all come about?
0: Um, I'm just—I really love like anime and that kind of art. I've always been a little bit—I'm a massive geek, like massive nerd. I love Star Wars. I love Harry Potter. I love Marvel. I'm—I'm just—I'm a massive book geek. Love it all. So, when I first released music, and I was like, oh, 80s synth pop. Like, I want to keep it on brand. I don't really want it to be photos of me. And then. I came across this incredible artist called Mitsukat on Instagram, and it was all like really cool Japanese anime. And I was like, I would like to have this as me, please. And it's just kind of gone from there, and like um, one of my songs, Dance Floor the artwork is also my dogs as anime which was just really cute like I was just really chuffed with that I actually had them printed as badges and I, I sell them at gigs now because I just really like it. my dog as a little anime badge <laughs> so yeah it just just because I love it so much and I love the colorful aspect of it too I
1: love it I love yeah. it um you also worked on a track uh, with Billy DeKid and Daddy. Joel Corey didn't you yeah. um which was actually a cover version itself of a 90s track which I love yes you've done an amazing version of it you get what you give yes how did that all come about
0: um, I met Billy through friends, uh, like a networking event. Like I'm constantly going to networking events and constantly open mic nights, and someone was like, "You need to work with this guy. He's quite. He's got sense, similar sense of humor as you." And we literally got in a studio together and have been friends ever since. He is such a cool dude. Um, and he sent me this song, and he said, "I'd love you to re-sing it." And at the time, I was having a really bad time. I wasn't sure if music was what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I was good enough. I was having a, a bit of a mental kind of like spiral down. And he sent me this song, and obviously the lyrics of Get What You Give just kind of really hit home. And I was out with friends and I just voice noted him, me singing the song. And he was like, Cool, done, right? Lay it down next week, let's do this. And it just went like straight away. And it got signed to New State Music, which was amazing. It was my first deal. Um, and then Joel Corey did the remix of it, which was so cool. Um, so yeah, it just, it came out of a friend just being like, you're quite retro and this song feels like it resonates with you. Mm. And I was like, these lyrics of this song is just like, as an artist, whenever you're feeling sad or struggling, songs like that just make me go oh yeah we, feel, we all feel this way we got this we can do this
1: yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of the original but I have to say when I heard that version mm-hmm. I'm a fan of that version as oh, well I love it I love so it much. so yeah do check that one out on there <laughs> all the good streaming sites um, now you played three tracks for us in the studio as yes. well so let's talk about the first one now you did a track called Live in Love which you released yes. back in 2017 didn't you?
0: So I did I'm actually re-releasing it this year and um, there's going to be a bit of a dance remix of it um I am gonna be releasing it hopefully in association with Stonewall, um, raising money for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, If anyone checks out my social media, I am a very strong and loud ally of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, And I kinda just wanna do whatever I can to make people feel safe and that they are included in this world because I still really struggle with that um, idea that there are places in this world where love can be seen as a bad thing and that, like gender types and all this sort of stuff is illegal which baffles me um so yeah i'm re-releasing it in the summer because the song is all about not caring what people think it's all about embracing who you are embracing your weirdness as i like to say and just living your best life because you only get to do it once so we might as well throw some glitter on it and have fun Alpha Sessions with Alan
1: Joyce. This is the Alpha Sessions, then, and I'm here with Natalie Gray. Now, one of the themes that actually I've found through all of your music and all of your stories is that it's turning sort of negative stuff that's happened to you into something really positive, and you've done that in in a really powerful and incredible way with all the different stuff you've done. And you talk a lot about mental health through your social media, and you mentioned before that you talk about it through schools as well so talk us through some of that work that you do.
0: yeah so i i go into schools and i'll perform a few of my songs tell them the background of the songs and then kind of talk to kids about why speaking about mental health is so important um i think on tiktok and stuff we see kind of the glamorous side of mental health issues and it has become a little bit glamorized and actually it's really not glamorous at all and unfortunately a lot of people kind of internalize when they're having problems i know i did and it nearly destroyed me and actually talking out and getting the support and realizing that more people suffer than we know and actually finding like a group of people who you can just check in with and who have got your back and even if it feels pathetic in your brain or like you're a burden just having someone you can go I feel rough like can I just chat and I just think that's a really thing we need to be talking to kids about because it starts as kid i I mean i remember when i was at school mental health wasn't really something we spoke about Mm. whereas nowadays there is as mental health advisors in schools which is incredible but if we were down or stressed we just felt it was just being a teenager i was actually unfortunately there's a lot more issues and i i was diagnosed with ptsd and it's something i've really struggled with to kind of deal with come to terms with and now i speak quite openly about it because i feel like we shouldn't have it as a taboo it's not a taboo it's something that happened to me, it doesn't define who I am. Mm. And I use music as kind of a healing process and something, I've written a few songs about things and I've actually got my first song coming out that is about my PTSD um, on the 4th of May, Star Wars Day. (laughs) Told you, I'm a nerd. Um, (laughs) And I use music to kind of let go of anything that's upsetting me and have that as my release really.
1: And it's brilliant that it is a release for Thank you because there must be an element of it where you're sort of, to a certain extent, it kind of, you you relive it and you, you, yes. you it brings it all up again for you. How, yeah. How do you find that?
0: Um, that's a really hard question. It's, yeah, it's something that, like, when I speak too much about it, I can find myself spiralling down. And that's kind of why, like, on my socials, I do try and see the light in it. And I'll be like... If you suffer with PTSD, if you have any of these problems, here are some ideas that help me that might help you. For instance, going for a walk or listening to a podcast or tuning in to this radio station. (laughs) Um, But that's how I like to deal with it. I like to embrace it and kind of go, do you know what, actually, I'm having a rough day. But instead of, like, wallowing in it and admitting defeat to myself, I'll be like, right, what can I do to help others and myself? And I think that's kind of the best way to crack on with it because it is hard Mm. and you can let it consume you and i think if you don't talk about it it will consume you um but it shouldn't define who you are
1: yeah Right. right. And, yeah. and I think as we were talking about before we, we came on air, we were talking about how social media's sort of amplified uh, it all, doesn't it? And yes. especially we've talked about TikTok and Instagram. And we've had yeah. this discussion down here many, many times that obviously you're seeing the good side of everyone else's life. And there's yes. that pressure to kind of like, oh, well, they're doing so well and they're having a great fun yeah. doing this that I've got to match that.
0: I mean we've all done it like I did it in lockdown I was putting up pictures being like oh I'm so excited to be back in the studio soon or oh my god and actually the reality was I was sat at home like putting weight on and just baking sourdough and crying but I'm not gonna post that online and like I said like a lot of people will say to me like oh it looks like you're doing this and that's amazing I'm like is it like I but you're doing this and that's great and there is this whole comparison on social media and you only see people's highlight reels you don't see what goes on behind closed doors. It's the same with like couples. You'll see couples posting about how loved up they are and how happy they are. And that might not be the case, it might be, but it also might not be as perfect as we see. And I think as long as we have that in mind, that we go, actually, this setup and this shot probably took half an hour or 20 takes to get the right shot or the right filter or whatever. Um, Because that's that's the thing that terrifies me the filters on TikTok that can make you look like. There's one now that brings your waist in and makes you look all skinny and like. I'm just like, this isn't healthy. No,
1: why would you need that? That's not.
0: Yeah, it's. Trying to avoid all of those things because it's just not it's not good for anyone's mental health really no.
1: and you're just bombarded i mean even yeah. going back to the music side like mm-hmm. just releasing one single how many different sort of how many hours do you spend yeah on social media coming up with ideas and trying to make everything yeah. sound rosy
0: and you do you literally like you you record the song you write the song you, you release you're happy with it you put it out to distributor that should be the hard part but actually the hard part is the four weeks before the song comes out when you're posting three times a day on TikTok and you're jumping on all the right trends saying all the right things trying to get TikTok to be on your side and it's it's a full-time job and at the same time I want to be creating more music because that's what I love I love creating music I love performing with my band I'm I like being a bit of a nerd on TikTok and being a bit silly but I hate that whole, hey guys, new single coming out. Hey, find this. And it's so draining. And you just want to be like, oh, can we just like level this out, chill a bit and like all just support each other because that would be great
1: (laughs) and the other thing about that as well is that how much control you have over the numbers as we were talking before like you you could record something that's taken you an entire day and it might get minimal hits Yeah, and then another one that you spend two minutes on and gets hundreds of thousands
0: well I mentioned to you earlier and I'll tell your listeners about like I've had one video go viral and it was me losing my mind at a 1975 concert because Denise Welsh was sat behind me. <laughs> and it's literally like four seconds long. It's me just shaking all over the place, screaming. And it's had nearly two million views. Whereas Smart. I'll do a video of me that I've like put a full face of makeup on. I've edited. I sound great. I look great. Done all the right captions. And it'll be like two views. And that's my mum. Yeah and you just like oh, okay great fine <laughs> so you have no idea you have no idea
1: and do you also find because again this is what a number of other artists have said that obviously with mm. social media it's great that you can have that direct interaction with fans but it also gives people the opportunity to yeah. give their feedback and be very blunt about what they think in a good and yeah. not so good way yeah how do you cope with that
0: um i was really badly trolled last year Quite badly. I'm to the point of like I've got a bit of a thick skin. Like I went to a talent I've done the whole drama school thing. Like I've got a thick skin. But when people get personal on social media, which unfortunately, to take the term keyboard warriors, but they feel like they can and they feel like they have permission and whatever to do so, it can be really upsetting. And my mum actually got really upset by it because she was obviously seeing these things people were saying about her daughter, and she wanted to interact and be like, "Go away, stop! Like, how dare you?" And I was like, "You can't," mm. because the problem is people don't think you'll see it or people don't think you'll care or sometimes people just do it to get a reaction and I did for a little bit get really upset and get in my head about it and I came off of socials for a bit and then I remembered that why I'm doing it why do I post? because I'm proud of that moment as long as you can say to yourself why am I posting this? oh because actually I'm really proud of that day. oh I really like that photo oh that's just a great video then great if you're looking for validation you're probably gonna get disappointed and you Mm. could get hurt I'm not sticking up for trolls. It should not be a thing. But unfortunately, there isn't the security yet to stop it. Um, And for a bit, I kind of interacted. And I'd make funny little TikTok videos replying to stuff. And then I would laugh about it. And then I'd go to bed and go, oh, my God, but what if they're right? What What if I do look stupid? What if I am fat? What if my music is awful? And I was like, oh, well, this isn't helping anyone, is it? So... My kind of thing I always say to people is if you're on socials and you start to get trolled, just delete those comments immediately. Don't interact with them. Don't let it affect you because mm. also they wouldn't say it to your face. Like yeah. no one ever comes up to you and is like, oh, your hair looks silly. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So we just have to pretend it's not real.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. is this the sort of thing that you cover in the schools then when you go into
0: Yes, school? because we all know what it's like to be at school. Like, mm. I was like I said, I was really badly bullied, but luckily like I'd then go home and live my other life with my actual friends outside school or I'd be playing music or whatnot or going to like amateur dramatics. Um and I would find my kind of solitude in that. Whereas now it doesn't stop because kids then go onto Instagram and TikTok and troll their school friends and there's no safeguarding anymore. There's no place that kids can just be themselves. And that is something I would really love like people to take away from when I do go into schools is how uncool it is to troll someone it's not funny and it really isn't clever Mm. to be nasty to someone even if you think it's banter because you don't know what's going on in someone's brain you don't know how they're feeling that day and actually you could say the one thing that really like tips them over the edge of something and I hate that that can happen um something I did try to do for a bit and actually I still do try and do as much as I can is if I ever get trolled I'll delete that comment And for every troll I get, I'll then go and find a random video of someone I don't know, like it and put something nice on theirs. So it's kind of like a paying it forward, but turning a troll into like something positive. Mm. Because if we've got the power to talk to people, we might as well be nice. It's
1: true, It's true. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why I say, you're always turning it into a positive. Trying I love to. it, I love it. <laughs> and that actually brings me very neatly onto a couple of other things that you've done. So you've done some amazing work with um, your good friend Farah to raise yes. um, money for women's aid yes. through touring and special gigs and stuff. So yeah. tell us more about that.
0: So Take Back the Beat, um, it started as a podcast between me and my friend Farrah. Um, and it basically, we were just kind of sick of the taboo around domestic abuse and women's safety. And I was actually told once um, by a company that they wouldn't be involved with it because they didn't like to make a political stance. And I I don't really understand how human safety is political but that's a whole other opinion. Um, So we started this podcast just talking to advocates, talking to charities, talking to survivors. And it then led on to a music tour last year, which was amazing. And we had people like Billy Lockett headline. We had Push Baby. It was amazing. And um, it was also great for us because I got to perform with my whole band. And I released a song at the same time about my experience. And then um, we're actually doing it again. We just got one date in May, uh, the 23rd of May. It's my birthday month, so if people want to come down, think of it as a birthday present to me. Um, I think there's just a lot of things that happened over the last few years, especially in regards to women's safety, that I think people are just a bit sick of. People are a little bit... I want to go for a run and feel safe. I want to be able to walk home from the station. I want to be able to wear a small skirt and not feel like I am a walking target and so we're trying to create kind of a, a safety community and help change the taboo. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: It shouldn't be too much to ask, should it? Honestly, No, day. it really Honest
0: shouldn't. Day. You'd think so. But yeah. yes, yeah. slowly but surely, we're getting there.
1: That's amazing work that you're doing for uh, Women's Aid. I feel Thank like you me. must be an organiser because you always seem to be involved in supporting (laughs) lots of charities and good causes I mean would you say you're an organiser anyway yes absolutely
0: I'm a massive control freak are you like 100% I get that from my mum I really I am even little things like someone will be like oh don't worry we'll do this and I'm like no, no, it's fine. I'll find a day to do yeah. that. I'll find five minutes to do that. I am the biggest control freak. So, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, they say if you want something done, ask a busy person. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Do it yourself. <laughs> so, moving on to the next thing that you organise. Yes. Um, so, you um, help organise a songwriter's night. Yes. Um, called Pin Drop UK. Yes. So, tell us more about this one.
0: So, um, Pindrop is an incredible company out in Nashville. And they do these incredible songwriting nights and showcases. And it's amazing. And then one of... Um, my friends, it's actually my partner's friend, but I've kind of just hijacked him to be my friend, <laughs> um, said to me, oh, there's this night, it's amazing. It's all about like supporting each other in music. We we should have something like that in the UK. And I was like, ding, 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 yes, we should. Um, we had a bit of a Zoom with the guys over in Nashville, and we're like, how would you feel about us bringing this to the UK? And we were like, we don't really know how it's going to go down, because it is, it's a free event, it's fun, it's just artists getting up telling you a bit about their songs and doing like an acoustic version of them and we were like let's see and we put the first night on in november of last year and the nashville guys all came over and it was amazing and then we've just finished one which is our second one in the uk at the bedford and it was phenomenal we uh, we basically sold out nearly all the tickets it was such a good night and we had some incredible artists come down and, and also people who are just supporters of new music and want to come and support each other. And what was really great was everyone was just, you, we performed and afterwards people were networking and people being like, oh, I'd love to work with you or I'd love to do this. And it was just a night of kind of empowerment and love. Mm. And it was, like, oh, I love this about this song or I love that. And I was like, oh, there's enough room in this world for everyone. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah, And I think that's, I mean, that's a lot of 90s rom-coms we have to blame <laughs> for that. But it's its just really nice, especially seeing like other women, bigging up other women. Because as something as a kid in the 90s, we kind of, we did learn that it was kind of against everyone. It's dog eat dog and all of that. It's really not, there is enough room for everyone. And successful people have successful friends. So me and Ollie have started Pin Drop and it's going really well. We've got another date in August, August seventeenth. We'll be back at the Bedford and uh yeah.
1: What an amazing venue, by the way. Oh, Isn't my the God. Bedford brilliant?
0: It is. Yeah. Stunning. We did our sound check and I literally was just like, I'm never leaving. Yeah. I live here now. Like, and you
1: picked an sort of amazing venue to do that. So and see.
0: they're great guys. Like, massive shout out to Tony over at the Bedford, he's yeah. just an absolute legend. So
1: Definitely. That's great. So, if people want to find out more about that, where can they go and, and when can they find out the lineup? Is that going Ooh, to be soon? so
0: the lineup will be um, announced quite soon. Okay very soon
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm not going to tease anything out like it's coming it's Ah, coming soon
0: um we actually we've got a few people confirmed which is going to be a surprise little um i hate to be that person that's like tune in later (laughs) but yes it's something very exciting um but yeah if you want to find out more about it um we're on instagram at pin drop uk obviously or just go to my instagram because i promoted constantly i'm obsessed And uh, yeah, come down, come say hi. It's a free event. So just, uh, we put the tickets on Eventbrite and you can just like reserve a ticket so that you've got a seat.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, it's well worth going yes. to Bedford and that sounds amazing, so hopefully yeah. we will get to go as well. Thank you. Um, right, let's, um, let's have a listen then. So we've touched on it already, the new single, <laughs> yes. uh, The Me I Pretend to Be, which yes. is out on Star Wars Star Day, Wars you Day. say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've touched on it already, but um, but introduce it and tell us more about it.
0: So this is The Me I Pretend to Be. It is my next single. It's out on the 4th of May, Star Wars Day, but it has nothing to do with Star Wars. Um, it's a synthwave track all about dealing with mental health. Thank you.
2: The me I pretend to be, the me I pretend to be. There's no room, there's no time, but I needed a key
0: Alpha Sessions with Alan Joyce.
1: Yeah, it's a really powerful new track, and thank, thank you. you for performing it to the uh, Sinistry. Because I know yeah. you actually haven't performed it before. No, times,
0: that was an exclusive. Yeah. Um, I literally performed it for the first time ever at Pin Drop, um, and it was again, like, done so different. My friend Ollie, who I run the night with, did it on piano for me. And I and like he did jazz versions of all my songs, which was nuts because I've never done that before. Yeah. Um but are like, why not? Go for it. And then we did The Me I Pretend to Be and I was so nervous. Like the video's back, I'm just an absolute wreck. So then I was like, right, do you know what I need to I need to get this song in my body and so when I was coming on here, I was like, I've gotta perform it, it's my next mm-hmm. single. Mm-hmm. Um but because a lot of my music is upbeat and it's fun and it's let's forget our problems and like live our best lives. So when I actually write something that's like, "Oh, this is my soul on a plate, mm. and all my insecurities and issues," it's it's a bit terrifying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> especially in that sort of because yeah, you're used to the kind of very poppy and yeah. backing, yeah, and then it's sort of stripped back, bare, and it's yes. I guess there's a vulnerability there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, um, I wrote it with uh, one of my best friends in the world, Jack Craig, who is my long term producer and co writer and like free therapist basically. Um, And I'd had a bit of a a spiral down last year. Um, Everything just kind of got on top of me. We'd done this amazing tour. I'd had some amazing things happen in my life. And I just felt not good enough. And I felt like I was putting on this facade of this person who wasn't me. And I was exhausted. And I realized, because I hadn't even realized I was doing it. I hadn't realized I was pretending to be someone else. And... I was like, why am I constantly tired? Why can't I sleep? Why am I not eating? Why am I having panic attacks all the time? Obviously, I know I suffer with PTSD, but I've managed to find how to handle that. And I kind of had a little bit of a break. Um, My partner at the time, um, well, he's still my partner, but at the time, he was on the Lame is UK tour. So I went for a weekend to see him on tour and just had a bit of a breakdown to him and was like, I am so tired of pretending I'm okay and being too scared to say anything because I'm too scared of being a burden or people will be like oh no we only like the fun nat, the positive nat." and he was just like you're an idiot like we love you for who you are and so I just sat down and I wrote some kind of really truthful lyrics about how I was feeling in that moment took them to Jack and that's where the I pretend to be came which um It was literally written about this time last year and it's taken me this long to go, okay, I'm ready to put it out there and see what happens.
1: <laughs> I mean it, it's it's a really powerful track Thank and you. and it's going to be interesting I guess to see what reaction again with the social media thing like yeah. what reaction it's going to get. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it's going to be a very powerful one in a good way for you but equally yeah. I suppose there's that element of will people want to now start pouring out to you like oh this has really helped me with so and so and so.
0: Yeah, which I would be very open with like I had when I did it the other night at Pindrop a lot of people come up to me and they were like wow, we didn't realize that's how you felt. And actually I felt like this. And it was quite nice to have that moment of going, oh, we're all faking it. Like (laughs) we're all pretending we're okay and we're too scared to say anything. So it was quite nice. And I think it was, it's a particular song that I'm quite passionate about with my family because my family are my rock. They are, without them, honestly don't know where I'd be or how I'd have coped. Like even just trying to get the diagnosis of my PTSD. My mum has just been my warrior. Like she's amazing. So kind of playing them this song and being like, yeah, I'm struggling and I've lied. Like I've lied to that I'm fine. And actually when you said you were worried, I can understand why. So that was, it's really hard for me to be like, okay, these are my feelings. But it was, I think it was Ed Sheeran years and years ago said like, if you write a song about an issue that you've had, you have to be okay with the world owning it then. Mm. Cause then this song isn't about me anymore. It's mm. not about my issue. It could be about anyone's. And there's a certain level of power in that and also, like, absolutely terrifying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I do hope people listen to it and know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And also to kind of go, I'm struggling, help me.
1: Yeah.
0: We don't have to pretend, so...
1: Quite right. Thank you. Um, So let's talk about um, some of the gigs that you've done as well, because, um, I mean, you've gigged with some amazing people. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to reel off a few, Rag and Bone Man, Becky Hill, Fleur East. Yeah. Um, oh, like God. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? And you've done Pride and everything yeah. as well. So, I mean, what's on the bucket list? Who who's Who would you love to have alongside you? Well,
0: obviously on... the 1975. I'm oh, obviously yes, going to say, yeah. like, I want to support the 1975. Yeah. This is me asking the <laughs> world... That. um but i'd also love to support people like pink i'm a I huge will, yeah. pink fan yeah. um and people like megan trainer like she's also very unapologetically herself and she's very funny and i love that kind of vibe of a person um but my thing with pink is she is a showwoman. Mm. like she is a boss she is like you don't just go to listen to her sing you go to watch her flying through the air and yeah. i would absolutely love to work with pink I think I'd just die on the floor, to be perfectly honest with you. I'd just cry and die.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, you've talked about the gigs that you've done, that have been, I guess, a bit more intimate and stripped back. But yes. what, what's your ultimate? Where would you love to perform? Are you thinking like stadium gigs? Oh my God, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, give me
0: Wembley. Give me really? like Madison Square Gardens, obviously. Yeah. But actually, like one of my bucket list things, I'd love to perform at Reading Festival because Reading is my hometown. Yeah. Um, I don't get to perform in Reading a lot, which is crazy. Um, but I'd love to do Reading Festival just because as a kid it was always like it's always what you asked for for Christmas was tickets to go to Reading it's where I first saw Paramore it's where I first saw Slayer wow. I was in a mosh pit for Slayer <laughs> in like bright pink wellies the ultimate uncool kid and I was living for it but I'd love to play Reading Festival.
1: Did you do a lot of gigs in Reading before you moved to London?
0: No literally I moved to London when I was 18 and I hadn't really discovered my voice then. I was, like I said, I, I was really badly bullied at school, and I, I was very much like, I want to be in musical theatre, but I want to be in the back. I want to be like ensemble number twenty thousand and five, right at the back, just really happy to be there. um So when I finally discovered my voice at Contes and kind of through open mic nights, it was past like going back to Reading. So I actually performed for the first time in Reading. I do um, like some busking stuff for Reading Council when I did um, the Christmas light switch on obviously which is really lovely yeah. but um, I did uh, the Oakford uh, Social Club which is where I used to go and have like a pound of pint and stuff so... <laughs> Pound a pint, wow,
1: there we go <laughs> Back in the old I days yeah.
0: um, So I performed yeah. there last year and then actually I've just been booked to play Ready Pop which is the Reading Pop Festival and I literally got the email and was like oh my god this is so cool and I was just like, yeah, I've, I've done some amazing gigs, but it's my it's my hometown. Yeah, so I'm buzzing for Ready Pop. Oh,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, going back full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get nervous before gigs? Would you say? Yes. Do you?
0: Oh, yes. I I ride the line of like excited nervous. Yeah. But I kind of feel like if the nerves stop, I'm not. I don't care then. Yeah. Um, I used to get really bad stage fright, and this is a trick for anyone out there who's got stage fright. I have the sweetest tooth. Right. Okay. So Like earlier, you asked me if I wanted a cake and I was like, genuinely, if I have cake, you won't get me in an interview because I would just want more. I am terrible. Like anything that's chocolate or sweets, pick a mix, give me. And um, I used to be obsessed with wine gums. I'm like
2: obsessed with wine gums.
0: Couldn't get through the day without a pack. (laughs) I'm talking family bag. And um, what I decided to do, this is about six or seven years ago, Um, Because I was so nervous. Stage fright was so bad. Um, I stopped allowing myself to have wine gums on a regular day. Hmm. But if I had an audition, this includes like musical theatre stuff. If I had an audition or a gig, I'd allow myself wine gums. So then when my agent would call and be like, hey, you're in for whatever show, instead of going, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I go, oh, wine gums. <laughs> like genuinely.
1: The surprise at and the end of it. Yeah. It's
0: ridiculous. But I still do that now. So um, I've, last year, actually, I got sent some amazing vegan sweets from this company. And I was like, I'm not eating them until I do PenFest, because I'm so nervous about PenFest. So I was like, right, that's my PenFest day. So literally the week before, everyone was like, you nervous? I was like, oh my God, I'm going to eat these sweets. I'm going (laughs) to eat the whole tub. There's going to be none left. So that's my little trick. Again, it's to kind of take something that's seen as bad and make it a little bit happy on the edge. But... um, I have an amazing band, they're all my mates, so it's kind of like, I just get on stage and rock out with my friends and just have the best time.
1: I just have this vision, when when I'm going to watch you in years <laughs> to come, headlining with Pink, yes. you'll, you'll have a little bubble in your head saying, I'm just aiming for the wine gums.
0: Literally just wine gums, just yeah. pass me the wine gums. Love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And one thing I have to ask you about, we touched on it at the start, the Hof. The Hof. <laughs> I mean, what is this about? So I've seen the video of you and the Hof doing this promo. Oh,
0: it's so ridiculous. Go
1: on, tell us how that all came um,
0: out. Yeah, it was 2015, I think we said. And I got um, this musical um, playing a part called Amber. It was called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. And it was so much fun. It was honestly, like, the best nine months. (laughs) It was just ridiculous. Like, this musical, it was based in 90s Ibiza. And it was, like... um, It... (sighs) I can't describe it. It was like a, a different world. And being on tour with the Hoff was an experience I will treasure. He is a legend. Really? He is a going. lovely guy. He's yeah. so nice. Not- Even so, like, when I said to him, I was like, oh, I'm releasing a song. He instantly was like, oh, kid, come to my dressing room. We'll do a little video. and We'll do this and we'll do that. And I was like, you don't have to do that. And then I genuinely was in my dressing room getting ready for this show. And I just got this thing over the tannoy being like, can Natalie Gray come to stage? And I was like, oh, God, what have I done? Like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> Got to stage and, like, the Hoff was just there. And he's like, right, we're going to do this video. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, yay. And he just, he shared it. And he was so lovely. He's a, he's an honestly lovely human.
1: That is brilliant. And, of course, he's, he's a recording artist he himself. Is? I mean, yeah. people forget that, you know, he released a few singles. He was massive in some parts of the world, wasn't uh, it?
0: Germany. Literally yeah. Germany. We had so many people come over from Germany yeah. being like, oh, my God. And you forget like how big he is. Yeah. Like he is Baywatch. He is literally the definition of Baywatch. I mean,
1: yeah, Baywatch yeah. and Night Rider. Even if you're night a Night
0: Rider, certain. literally, yeah. he's a ledge.
1: Yeah, a total legend, So a yeah. duet on with Hoff at some.
0: I would love that. So he got us these T-shirts for like opening night. Let's say it's his literal face, and it just says "Don't hassle the Hoff." <laughs> and I've still got it. I still wear it all the time. He's, an, he's an absolute legend. I well, love, I love
1: him. it. I love it. So what lies next for you in 2023? What else have you Ooh. got planned for the year? Well,
0: world domination. World domination. Of course um, so i'm doing um a big full band my first headline london show in association with women's aid on the 23rd of may at bardonia tickets are available um so that's like my next big thing and then i'm doing ready pop i'm doing Penfest again which is amazing supporting no gallagher what that is mad um yeah so that's kind of on the cusp I've got loads of new music coming out that I'm very excited about and also a few cover songs coming out Ooh. yeah Ooh. which are going to be a bit unexpected but oh, really? I am I'm very excited about
1: oh I'm really intrigued now. so yeah
0: like I'm my aim this year is to be happy healthy and if I can get a couple of quid from some music that would be
1: great excellent well yeah. please come back and tell us more Absolutely. about it um <laughs> if anyone wants to find out more about you where can they go
0: um anywhere i'm everywhere um at nat gray music grove and a over all socials tiktok instagram be warned it's a lot of videos of my dog <laughs> um and me dressed up as star wars characters obviously um or spotify itunes deezer all those things natalie gray
1: Perfect. Well, just before we go, we're going to play out with uh, a track called Dance Floor. Yeah. uh, Which you released last year, I think. So tell us more about this one.
0: Um, So Dance Floor, again, it kind of just came out of nowhere. I'd played um, Pride in London and had the best time. And it was just full of love. And I wanted a song that I could capture that of just like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters as long as you're having fun. So that's what Dance Floor is. And it's, again, written with Jack Craig. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys like it.
1: Brilliant. Natalie thank you so much keep doing what you're doing and let's have you back soon
0: yes please thank you so much